Welcome to the Fire and Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Sorrow. I believe in taking massive, inspired action from an awakened soul. This show is a weekly dose of spiritual principles, personal development, and success strategies for creating an epically aligned life. Here's to your wildest dreams coming true with less hustle, grit and grind, more flow, ease, and grace. I'm the founder of the Live Video Mastery Academy, a TV host, speaker, best-selling author, and proud fur mama, and I'll be sharing real talks with successful entrepreneurs, thought leaders, best-selling authors, spiritual luminaries, and high-performance experts in this unfiltered, transformational, and soul-centered podcast. Things are about to get real. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hey there, welcome back to Fire and Soul. I am super excited to have this conversation today. Let me just jump right in. Media outlets love to compile a list of impressive people under a certain age. They laud the accomplishments of fresh-faced entrepreneurs, innovators, influencers, and so many more, right? Making the rest of us ooh and ah and wonder how they got that far so young. Well, while it's great to give credit where it's due, such early life success lists can make folks over a certain age unnecessarily question where we might have gone wrong in our youth, as if dreams can't come true and successes can't be had past, let's just say, age 30. So if you worry that it's too late for you, you are on the right show, my friend. Because it's time for you to learn how to follow your passion into the autumn and winter of your life. We've got so many stories to share. And let me give you the perspective of what I shared on social a few weeks back. Wasn't my own quote, but it was, I get tired of quote under 40 lists. Show me someone who got their PhD at 60 after losing everything. Give me the 70 year old debut novelist who writes from a lifetime of love and grief. Give me calloused hands and tender hearts. Which, by the way, is what led my friend, Chenwei Isame, who saw that and who sent me a private message right away saying, girl, if I had a dollar for every time I was sent an email of we'd like to feature you here, here, there or there. And we just need you to confirm you are, in fact, under 40. And I was like, what? Because check her out. So Chenwei is an award-winning lawyer, trailblazing corporate executive, writer, and speaker who's passionate about inspiring generations of women, immigrant leaders. She's the author of the upcoming book, Brilliance Beyond Borders, Five Traits of Remarkable Immigrant Women Leaders. She is the managing director and chief anti-bribery officer at Citigroup Incorporated, the first person to hold that title in the bank's history. She's received numerous awards, leading Ladies Africa 100 Most Inspiring Women, Tropics Magazine Most Powerful African Shaping the Future of Africa, Nigerian Lawyers Association Trailblazer of the Year, and Face-to-Face Africa Corporate Leadership Award. She obtained a BA in political science, summa cum laude from the City College of New York and a Juris Doctor from Harvard Law School. She lives in New Jersey with her husband and three children, and I got to meet her through the Tony Robbins environment and world, which is why I call you, Chenwei, my sister on a path. But it was affirmed when you saw that post, sent me a message, and you're like, we need to talk. So welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Thank you, Michelle. I am so happy to be here. Thank you for that introduction. 
<laughs> so cool. So when you saw that post, it struck a chord in you because you literally said, if I had a dollar or a dime or whatever the phrase was. And then that led us to back and forth voice messages of like, can you believe it? Like I'm living my best life, late forties, you're living your best life. And again, we were like, no shade on the list of, you know, 40 under 40 or 30 under 30. But what about the men and women out there just trailblazing it past 40, 50, 60, 70, even into their 80s? And we've got those stories to share, including your own family. Yes, absolutely. And and as you said, it's about the limitations that either people perceive as a result of seeing those kinds of lists or around the messaging that somehow is communicated in connection with those lists. So just to give an example with my family, as you mentioned, I've had this happen to me so many times where people reach out. And, and, and part of the reason for that, before I get to the story about my family, is I don't think I really knew who I was until my late 30s. I'm in my early 40s now, and I don't think I had a voice. I didn't think I was clear on what my path was, my purpose in life. So I think there is that component where some of us really um, are finding our way. And it doesn't mean that there weren't elements of external success that folks could point to. But in terms of knowing who I am, understanding my voice and, and really living my truth and my purpose. And so... In terms of my family, my mother, who actually is visiting at the moment, she, so she's, I'm one of five. So I'm the third, I'm the middle child. And we all have graduate degrees. As you mentioned, I have a law degree. I have, my siblings are doctors, accountants, MBAs, et cetera. And my mom got her PhD in her sixties. Wow. And what's so powerful about that story in, in 2013, what's so powerful about that is I graduated from law school. My siblings had all graduated from school and she had that dream mm. for a long time in her life. Mm. And she put it on hold because she made sacrifices for our family. When we relocated from Nigeria, we had come alone with her. So she was really at, at that in that chapter. She was a single mom raising five children in a new country, working two or three jobs. We were also working in college. So she put that dream of having a PhD on hold until we were all through school. And then she said she never let go of it. She said, I, I, I never let go of this dream. This is really important to me. And, and what she wrote about in her PhD was about the voice of African women in literature. Mm. And she was able to explore the voices of African women, all these trailblazers. And for me, that was really inspiring. And it still resonates with me till today that it's never too late. It's never, ever too late. And I think there are a lot of circumstances in life that cause us to believe it's too late whether it's that we chose the wrong career path or we chose something or we've had experiences, we failed at something. And those situations all conspire to tell us lies, lies that it's, it's too late, lies that we're not enough, lies that we can't. And so I think, as you were saying, this conversation is really about possibility. And it's a reminder that we always, as long as we have breath in us, we always have an opportunity to live our purpose and our dreams. So beautifully said. What's your mom's name, by the way? Philomena. Dr. Philomena, we love you and salute (laughs) that beautiful mission. You know, what's so gorgeous about what you said is that I did not realize that she was a single mom and that she had raised five of you. Well, she was married, but she was separate because my husband was in Nigeria and she was alone. But watching each one of her children go on to get graduate degrees, right? Yes. And then she still had this burning desire in her heart and she didn't let it go just because the years went by. Correct. It was like she circled back to that. And that's, that's something 
that you don't hear very often either, right? It was a burning desire. But I know so many of my listeners, because I know you all very well, you know, there's something on your heart right now that you would love to take on, but maybe you say, I don't have enough time or I'm too old or I'm not enough of whatever. And it's just not true. So what I like to say all the time is just decide to focus on who is lighting it up, who are the trailblazers and just focus there and follow in their footsteps because you don't have to be the trailblazer, but you just have to know that there is a trail that has been blazed for you, right? Yes, that's correct. That is absolutely correct. And I think it's, it's really important, as you were saying, it could be a different path. It could be that you're doing something completely different because that's another limiting belief as well. Folks think, well, you know, it's been done before, therefore I can't do it. And, and that's, not, that's not true at all. It's never been done by you. And we all bring our uniqueness to whatever we do. And so it's really important that we really honor our gifts and honor our purpose and honor who we are and remember that we're all here for a reason. Yeah. So beautiful. I I love that very much. And like you, I have a mother who's a bit of a trailblazer on many, many levels. And I wanted to share this story because while she's now 73 years young, by the way, she doesn't refer to age as age. It's levels, right? I love that. Wouldn't it be badass if each new age was a new level? So the more levels you got, the more, the cooler you were. (laughs) Yes. Yes, I'm going for levels. She says, my level is 73. When she was at level 70, she became the second woman of her age category and the category started at 60. And you and I both know that between 60 and 70 is like a lifetime, right? But she mm-hmm. was number two in the world in the Spartan races. She wanted wow. to strong. She wanted to, you know, climb and scale mountains with mud and roll tires. <laughs> impressive. And it was very impressive. And so again, totally different than the academic route, but it was physical endurance. It was strength. It was grit. It was vitality. She wanted to prove that at that 70th level, she could do it and keep up with the, the, the people 10 years younger. Not only did she, but she came out number two in the world. And she was ranked up for almost a year until they actually opened up the age category to a much larger category that she's like, yeah, I did it. <laughs> but there's so many of these stories out there. And I wanted to share just a few because one of the messages that you left me and you and I both love her so much and she recently passed was Louise Hay. So for those of you who aren't familiar, I'll just give a little snapshot here of what's possible when you follow that inner compass, no matter what your level is. So at 55, she wrote the New York Times bestselling book, You Can Heal Your Life, that has sold over 40 million copies. She started her publishing company, Hay House, at 61 Chen Wei, where they published millions of books and products from mega greats such as Wayne Dyer, Cheryl Richardson, Anthony William, who's the medical medium, Gabby Bernstein, Esther Hicks, and so many others. And when I when I was doing some research after you planted that seed, you're like, look at Louise Hay, look at this one, look at this one. I was like, it is so true, but yet sometimes we can get caught up in but the youth and the beauty and the list. And we're like, oh, I'll never be anything because I never got to that list. And it is impressive and it is inspiring. But at yes. a certain point, you're like, what about all those who are doing epic feats and changing the world at 50, 60, 70, 80 years level? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. You know? I, yes. And I, and I think we need to celebrate them as well, right? That's the point. We need to honor them because we, we stand on their shoulders. We learn from them. And I think it's really important that we acknowledge them publicly, privately, and really reinforce that because not only is it the gratitude to them, but it also helps inspire other people and shows them what's possible. 
Mm, see, and if we could live in a world where it's a vortex of gratitude and yes. encouragement and support, yes. that beautiful worldwide community that I want to be a part of and help to cultivate, which is I know what you're all about. Before yes. we dive into some other stories, you've done some pretty epic things yourself, my friend. I mean, what's it like? The list that I rattled off, you're a mom of three, first and foremost, a wife, right? A daughter, a sister, a leader, an attorney. You know, you're holding a role at one of the world's largest banks in the, in, in the most prestigious position that no one's ever had before you, a speaker, an upcoming author, a trailblazer, my friend. I mean, you are so inspiring and damn empowering. You're beautiful. You are stylish. You're open. You're warm. You're huge hearted. And anyone, that, and you laugh easily. I'm not just speaking hyperbole here like you know that this is how I feel about you and how anyone that I've ever known comes across you feels about you and yet you make it look all so easy so what goes on for you on a daily to either keep up with all of that or are you pulled into that kind of action oh I love that I absolutely love that and I think that's really one of the things I I aspire to is to go where I am pulled where I am drawn not feel like I am being pushed around, right? So it's the, it's the push versus pull. But in terms of the question, that is such an interesting question, especially in the midst of a pandemic. I have to say that the pandemic really rattled things for everyone, for everyone. So for me, it meant, as, as you probably know, in prior years, I was traveling the world and any given day, maybe in Dubai or in Singapore or somewhere else around the world. But um with the pandemic, we stopped traveling. Actually, the last time I traveled was when I saw you in LA for Tony's birthday. Tony, <laughs> that was the 60th birthday, which was so epic. It oh, was epic. So great to get to connect with you even so briefly. Yes, it was. That was and so, so that was a long time ago. That was a long time ago. That was the end of February. So that was the last time we traveled. And prior to that, in addition, I was commuting into the bank. And so now everything has gone virtual. And so... In addition to that, we have the kids with virtual schooling. My kids are now back in person. So they're in person full time. They may be virtual again after the holidays. And that degree of disruption. And I think we as leaders, we embrace change and we embrace disruption and we seek out change. However, I think 2020 has really, I would say, shattered all expectations and all measures of disruption. I think that's fair to say. Even in my home country in Nigeria, there have been protests where we've had systemic corruption for a number of years, which is why I went into this area. That's been my inspiration and my calling to this space. This year, we saw the youth standing up and saying enough is enough. So they were taken oh. to the streets and there was a, a really uh, tragic event where there was a peaceful protest and they were shot. People were shot by the government for peacefully protesting. And so it's been such a disruptive year. Um, so what it's done is it's called for even greater leadership and even greater alignment. So for me, everything is always about what can I do? Right. And so. The question of alignment, I think, is always an option, right? So when things happen, we always have that option of going back to the basics and saying, 
no matter what, I can still, I can still pray. I can still meditate. I can still go back to center. I can. So for me, the routine has been really important. So thinking that my routine was completely disrupted, I wasn't commuting anymore. The kids weren't in school for hours when they were virtual, right? So we had stretches of the day when they're home and when you're home and they're home, they have a hard time ignoring you, right? So it's, it's really difficult to have these. And I wouldn't even get into some of what we've had to navigate from a business standpoint. So the business that I'm, you know, uh, and the department I oversee, we've had to navigate a lot of significant regulatory change, regulatory updates. So the work hasn't slowed down in any respect, right? So folks acknowledge that we are now virtual, but it hasn't slowed down. So for me, the routine has been important. Getting up on time, praying and meditating, exercising every single day. I exercise about six times a week. That was not happening at the beginning of the pandemic, I have to say, because initially there was this switch because I used to exercise after work when I got back from my commute. And now after all of that was disrupted, it was really difficult to get back in a pattern because I was on work calls until late and it was just very difficult. And so I found a virtual, by the way. I found a, ver- oh, where did I? SoulCycle in okay. New York used City. To used to be SoulCycle. Now they've actually literally closed down the studio. Yeah, I, I know. At first it was just displaced to like a rooftop in a nearby parking lot. But now it's done. It's been cleaned out. I drove by the other day. And I was oh like, no, oh. that's so sad. Yeah, but so what is your virtual workout these days? So my virtual workout is, so there's a Nike master trainer. His name is Brian Nunez. So I actually used to work out on the Nike app. And so he's one of the trainers and I, I started following him on Instagram. I think something that's so beautiful and it's also similar to what we've had is sometimes you connect with people on a soul level just because of what they're about, because they're about serving there's no ego. There's no, it's not about being an influencer. It's just someone who's really about serving. And so when I signed up for the gym, he runs an actual gym in Santa Clara in California called FNS Training Center. But he has these Zoom classes where you can join live and he inspires you and encourages you and really pushes hard because he is a master trainer. So some days, today we did over 150 push ups, and I'm not kidding. And I hate Whoa. push-ups. I hate push-ups, but I did. Yeah. So it's 60 minutes, nonstop, high intensity. But what I love the most about them, and this was not expected. I signed up for a challenge in May and now it's November and I'm still going. And the reason for that is it's a powerful community. They're Mm -hmm. all about connection, no shade, no gossip, no bad energy. Everyone's so positive and it's just a community of leaders. So once I joined them, I found my family. I found my fitness family. And so they, he has me doing things I didn't think I would ever do in my lifetime. <laughs> that is so awesome. And you know what? I'm probably going to have to get in on that because I've let the whole pandemic be one big long-term permission slip to like, ah, eat a little more of that, do a little less of that. But I realize that once my state gets compromised, then my mission gets compromised. And yes. I'm all about my mission. Um, which that I is so about. powerful. When your state gets compromised, your mission gets compromised. And that's yeah. so true. Right. And you probably know that now more than ever. You talked yes. about it. You're like, I live my life from, from a perspective of being called, being pulled or lured. Let's just say into inspired action, into yes. mission, versus trying to manufacture it because that's always a house of cards and will lead to fatigue yes. and overwhelm. And you're like, why was I even doing it? <laughs> um, it's not real. But 
You can't listen to the call if your state is compromised. Correct. How beautiful is that, that you're like, no, my routine became more important than ever in the midst of the pandemic. So I love that. And again, another thing about guys, it's not too late. It's mostly women who listen to the show, but it's like, if you're not working out, if you've fallen off the wagon, if your routine has, has gone upside down, this is the moment to just own yourself, right? Get your yes. state back to that optimized vibrancy so that yes, you can get after what's truly in your heart and be one of these people that someone one day says, wow, look at my mom, like Chen Wei, you're talking about your mom, or look at that lady or that person. Look at these folks doing all this badassery, right? Yes. Past 50, past 60, past 70, because anything is possible. Can I read another one, by the way? Yes, absolutely. I was so excited doing this research. I'm like, <laughs> this is the most fun podcast I've done in so long. So Academy Award and Golden Globe nominee film director, Ava DuVernay, who left her job at age 40 to focus on filmmaking. Who does that? And then she became the first black woman to make over $100 million at the box office. Her notable work, Selma 13th and Wrinkle in Time. I mean, I have story after story after story, but when you see a woman like her come up out of seemingly nowhere and also be a Black woman, I mean, what does that do for you? How does that empower you? Or what kinds of conversations does it cultivate with you and your friends or your family? I think for one, it's, it's an example, right? And I think there are reasons that when women, any woman breaks some sort of record, it's because there are barriers, whether conscious, unconscious, that may be existing in organizations and industries. And I think when someone accomplishes these, I would say, feats, right? It's remarkable because, again, it reminds people of possibility and it also gives people permission because I think sometimes women are looking for permission. Women in particular, we're looking for permission. We want to be nice and, and we're often people pleasing and there are all these components that come into play. But when we see people living their purpose, it gives us permission to do the same. Because I look at you, maybe not unlike people look at Ava and I think. She's so accomplished, so brilliant, so kind, so wise, works out six days a week, even in the pandemic, still has three children who are exceptional children. A marriage, how many years? 20? 15 in January. So it's going to be 16 next year. Like who has that these days? And then everything about you, Chen Wei, I mean, you can make it look so extraordinarily simple too, but it is truly remarkable. So for those who might be looking at you the same way that we could easily look at an Ava DuVernay, right? Like, what do you say to those who are like, yeah, easy for you? Mm. It's, it's not, but I'm no. going to speak into that so that we can yes. people up and get them into their inspired action. Yes. I think the truth is it's never easy, right? So, so as a mom, so I think when when you say I'm a mom, and I think it's important for moms out there to also remember, I go through all the challenges moms go through, and particularly working moms go through. The fact that, you know, sometimes my kids may not do their homework, and I may get an email from the teacher, and I have to follow up with them. Or a particular child may not be as focused as they need to be, or my daughter may be dealing with some, some something may have frustrated her at school, and I have to address that. And with relationships, oh my gosh, we can talk about that all day. That has been my biggest learning in life, period. Let's open it up. If it's your biggest learning in life, Tony Robbins says it, right? That the quality of your life is predicated by the quality of your relationships. Antonio also says we don't get, I don't know if he's first said it, but we don't get an instruction manual in life, right? And we definitely don't get an instruction manual for relationships. Mm -hmm. And so I got married 
over 15 years ago to this absolutely generous, gorgeous man. And there was no instruction manual, right? Oh, I love you and you're beautiful and we have the best intentions. Let's get started. And then we, we've navigated all sorts of challenges, relocating. So we had relocated to Minneapolis, you know, disappointments, whether it's professional and career disappointments. And I honestly was not, was ill-equipped to handle those challenges because here's what I did. And Tony talks about this a lot. I excel at work. Oh my gosh, I'm going to go all in at work. And, you know, and then children, because children, they take up so much attention. It's hard to ignore them for a long time because they're so little, right? And they whine and they raise their hand. I mean, I'm surprised my son hasn't, my eight-year-old hasn't knocked on the door. But what happens in those intimate relationships is we often ignore them. And I think a lot of professional women can relate to this, right? Because we focus on work because that's where we excel and the relationships are too hard, right? So, and then we just ignore things. When I, and this is another Tony story, I taken the coaching, the RMT coaching, because I wanted to be able to support my mentees and people that I work with from a professional perspective. So I wanted to get better skills, understand psychology better. And I wanted and to break that down really quickly. The RMT, I know what it is. But oh, that's know. right. <laughs> yeah. Robbins Madonna's training. So it's Tony Robbins and Chloe Madonna's, who's a family therapist who's written, I think, over 50 books. She's so brilliant around family psychology. And so in taking the course, it was more about how do I really encourage and inspire all these young immigrant women that I work with and how do I support them with tools for breakthroughs? And the biggest breakthroughs I had through that course was on myself. I pulled all these tools and but when he got to my relationship, it was this challenge of not understanding his needs and him not understanding my needs. I've been very fortunate to be blessed with some beautiful friends. And one of my friends literally performed some major breakthroughs on me and showed me all my blind spots around where I was really being selfish. And, you know, it's easy to think, oh, you go out there and you serve, but sometimes we can be selfish. So human beings can be complicated, right? So there were moments where I was being selfish. I was only thinking about my own needs. So I really had to have some sobering conversations about what does it really take to create a successful relationship and an extraordinary relationship? And so I really had to start to understand his needs better, understand him better, and then really take action. It's almost the same as anything else, right? Inspired action, aligned action. So what, what's my ultimate goal? And making sure that my actions every day, so not just once in a while, but every day we're aligned with that. Um, am I putting his needs? Am I prioritizing his needs? And am I communicating my needs in a way that he can understand as well? So that was that was for sure the biggest learning. And I think for me, and I say this often to you know my mentees, even people that I work with, about the importance of taking care of those relationships, mm-hmm. taking care of those relationships, giving them the time they need, because often that's where our greatest pain comes from. So true. And we think about just like some of these basics, right? Like I remember you and I bonded over lashes. Lashes must be on. Yes! Uh, Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Show me how you really feel. And you're rocking the red lips and your nails are done and your hair's did, right? And the same thing with me, like a whole thing. That's all maintenance. That's all I am constantly nurturing that part of myself. I mean, a little tiny bit dedicated to vanity from time to time, right? And the same thing with body, right? You and I are not heavy, so we might, you know, indulge here and there. But in general, we're taking care of ourselves. And then at work and then your dreams and your mission and how you're going to serve and then shepherding these children and getting your daughter to focus when it's important, 
And then there's this whole other thing called my significant other, whether you're married, gate doesn't even matter. It's like, oh, that's fine. We're, we're married. We're going to be fine. Yes. Wake up in a year, two, three years went by and you're like, wow, when is the last time we actually experienced what it feels like and embodied the definition of an extraordinary relationship? Yes. And that takes a very bold soul to just, first of all, acknowledge it. And then to dive into it. So how did you approach him just in case someone needs a how-to right now? Mm. They've been in close proximity. You know, at one point, real quickly, during the pandemic, it was about in June of 2020, um, the top Google search was, can you get a divorce on Zoom? So there are people who got lots of feels. I Uh, hadn't heard. So how do you approach the conversation? I love that. I didn't expect to go here, but I love this because you know what it turns into? Extraordinary relationships after 15 years of marriage or in your 40s, right? 50s, it doesn't matter. Like it's not just for the youngins that are like, oh, it's unicorns and rainbows. This takes an awareness and consciousness and alignment and purpose and action. So let's give them some steps, girlfriend. Oh my goodness, some steps. So (laughs) I think think the most important thing Thing was being willing to take a hundred percent responsibility for mm. what isn't going well. Wow, that's so deep. So often we have our reasons, we have our explanation as to what someone else can do better. And there are always things that someone can do better. There are always areas where they can understand us better. But usually there are things about them that we're not understanding. And there are always things that we can do. And this is very tough because I've also done couples counseling. And this is the toughest thing for couples to understand that we always have the power to influence others through how we relate to them. So for me, that was a big piece, which was let's not talk about all the things he's done wrong, because <laughs> I'm sure I anyone can build a story about what their significant other could do better, what they've done wrong, where they can improve. I think we're experts on that. I was an expert on that. <laughs> I could talk about it for hours. <laughs> and I, I did. I could talk about my friend's spouses. Right. Because you've heard it, right? <laughs> yes, totally. Yes, totally. So for me, that was the biggest thing was really owning the parts of it that I should own, which is the parts of it where I was neglecting our relationship, where I wasn't prioritizing him. So that was the biggest thing. I was in and, and in a relationship, right? Often a lot of pain comes from the other person knowing that they're not number one. Oh, so true. So whether... It's your siblings are more important than them. And I'm one of five and I love my siblings to death. I mean, we're close, right? (laughs) I have the best siblings on earth. So whether it's that your siblings are more important or the kids are more important. And with a lot of women, the kids, once the kids are born, it's like they're the most important thing. But the truth is in an intimate relationship, that person has to be number one in your life. And if they can't be your number one person, then you shouldn't be together, right? So if if you can't get your relationship to a place where you can say, and that person knows that they're number one to you, then it's not going to be an intimate relationship. And so for me, there were times where not intentionally, I never consciously signed up, you know, for you're not number one, but through my actions, through the way I spent my time, 
through the way I talked to him. I mean, not that I was being rude, but, you know, you could be dismissive and not really pay attention and not really show them presence. Because men, you know, we understand the idea of presence, but often sometimes as women, we give the kids that focus. We give our friends, oh my gosh, our girlfriends, we know how to spend girlfriend time, right? But then we don't give them so certain practical things, making sure we were prioritizing date night. So the pandemic kind of knocked it off, but making sure we're spending one-on-one time. A lot of times couples excuse the fact that they don't spend one-on-one time because they're busy, because they have kids, because there are other priorities, right? But if it's a priority for you, and if you understand how important it is, you make the time, just like anything else. Beautiful. So what would it look like as just an example of a few ideas for one-on-one time during the pandemic? Because we might be here for a minute longer. (laughs) So, yes. And that's one of the things I think we've all realized. We thought this was real quick, a couple of months, a month or two, but here we are. Years, we don't know, might be longer, might be the rest of our lives. We don't know right now. Yes. So I think clearly things have started opening up, but also we're going through the cycle, I think in the Northeast where it's getting cold. So things are closing up again, right? So usually would be things like, you know, restaurants or going out to coffee. But when the kids, I think part of what we've tried to do is when the kids are at school or, or when they've gone to sleep, you know, having moving night, that's one example. Moving nights at home is a really good way of spending quality time together. And I think also being spontaneous is very good. So maybe even if it's not planned to just say, hey, let's let's go grab coffee together and we spend time together. But for us, it's usually very you could go hiking together. You could, you know, if, if depending on what your interests are, because sometimes people don't have common interests, but going hiking together, doing something each time that the other person enjoys. So one person may enjoy one thing and another may enjoy other things, but kind of, I think part of the fun of it is discovering what each person likes, right? And for me, I think it's also great to have, see things that he comes up with, you know, whether he comes up with hiking or let's go have coffee. It could be the simplest things, but it's just the thought of alone time. Because I think a lot of times couples lose that, right? So when we're dating, that's all we do. We spend a lot of time alone, um, often, especially early in the relationship. But then we get married and then other things take priority. So I would definitely recommend, especially as things are closing down. And scheduling it. I love Going it. for walks, scheduling it. Yeah. Okay, beautiful. How do you define an extraordinary relationship? It's one that's loving, that's passionate, and where the other person knows that they're number one. Beautiful. You know, this conversation reminds me of what my business coach and mentor, Jarek Robbins, Tony's son. Always oh, he's excellent. Between him and uh, his beautiful wife, uh, Amanda, and they now have a yes. baby cub. Yes. Their son, Co is a cub. <laughs> and everyone who listens to the show knows that I've been in Jarek's mastermind all year, and it's been transformational on so many levels, but on a personal level, right? Because all business growth, especially as an entrepreneur, is a spiritual job. Talking yes. about embracing uncertainty. So many nuggets to weave back into this beautiful conversation. But he says, my wife knows that she's number one. And when she doesn't, it's my job to let her know for sure that she is. And but the fact that she when she knows, because I've I've conditioned it in the way that I've treated her and my actions, you know, back up my words. She knows that I'm going to give her the world. Right. So she never, ever has to ask for the world because she knows that that is just the way that it is. Yeah. Like and I'm paraphrasing a bit, but I'm like, ah, that's it. And that's what it's about. Special. They do, right? So, as you had that breakthrough, and we're going to wrap in a in a moment here. As you had that breakthrough, and that dear friend of yours, that is a real friend, because showed you these blind spots, right? Yes. Um, how did your relationship shift? Like, if you could describe like the before and an after in a few adjectives. Um, Ooh, like, yes. 
<laughs> the before, and it wasn't easy because it's not like when you have those breakthroughs there, because there's a lot of work that then needs to be done. We had a lot of hard conversations, a lot of tears. The before would be that he would shut down and he would do things like he would just drive off and not even, you know, like he'll go sit in the movie theater. He's going to kill me for saying this, but it's true. Right. And it, there because are a it was lot worse things he could be doing because, because it, it was too painful to communicate. So yeah. that's the before yeah. the after is more vulnerability, more openness, more checking in, right. More trust and, and, and ultimately more love. So that's the after, but that took a lot of communication. It took a lot of hard conversations, a lot of tears, a lot of, a lot um, of ownership. And that's what I loved so much about what you shared is the first nugget that came to your mind after going through um, RMT was I, I realized that I had to take 100% ownership, total yeah. responsibility for my experience in this part of the relationship. Yes. I mean, that is beautiful. It's a success principle by Jack Canfield, you know, I it mean, is. number one, it is. You can't even have anything without that. <laughs> it's true. Live in such a more harmonious world, including watching these beautiful lists just grow and grow and grow as men and women grow to new levels, right? If we all just stop blaming and shaming and comparing and competing and, and we were more collaborative and cooperative and we could just look at people like Chen Wei, right? Like you and say, I want to do more of that. I want to keep my heart open, take responsibility, live uh, from action that's love, not just say it, but actually back it up. Beautiful. The question that I ask every single guest for the end of this show is always the same. And it's how would you define an awakened soul? You kind of answered it this whole conversation. (laughs) An awakened soul is a soul that's connected to their ultimate truth. Mm. So whether that ultimate truth, people who believe in infinite intelligence, I call, I believe in God. So it's awakened to the truth of who you are. You're aware of the truth of who you are. You're connected to it. You're communicating it. You're living it. You're walking in it. And ultimately, everything that you do is from that ultimate truth, the ultimate truth of who you are and the ultimate truth about everyone we interact with, which is that ultimately we are love Mm -hmm. and we are all here to to radiate love and to spread love Mm -hmm. and to set the world on fire with our love. That's why I love your show so much. And love you so much, your community. Oh, I love it. And I know we have to wrap, but I just wanted to acknowledge you, Michelle, for all you do. I think just being a part of your mastermind and being able to interact with you and the community that you've built. I think one of the strongest characteristics of the community you've built is love and Mm -hmm. truth and authenticity and real. And you say it all the time. Everyone's searching for real. Right. Everybody knows. Everyone's searching for real. So. Oh, Thank you well, for what you, why you were just magnetized. It was like, a you know, boom, just came right in and like lit us up even more ablaze, you know, and I am so grateful. I just have to say right now to Tony Robbins for opening up his world to us so that we could all come together us beautiful, like-minded, like-hearted souls um, from such various and diverse backgrounds and, yes. and purposes. And, and yet we all tend to find each other, right? These pure, beautiful souls that have woken up to the truth. Yes. Of the I love your definition a definition of, um, of, of an awakened soul. That's how I see you. It's how you empower me every day. And I am 
deeply blessed by our friendship. And I know this is just the beginning of so much more to come. So where can my listeners find you if they want to get inspired by all your goodness? Yes. So they can find me on Instagram. So my first and last name, Chinwe, S-M-I. So C-H-I-N-W-E-E-S-I. M-A-I. So that's my first and last names. My website is the same, Chinway SMI. LinkedIn, Chinway SMI. So it's, it's the same everywhere. And um, yes, I love engaging and meeting beautiful souls online. I think I've had the, I have to say, and this is a quick diversion, but very quickly, I was very cautious being an, a lawyer in the corporate space. I was very cautious of engaging online. That was one of my biggest fears. And what I found is that I've been able to meet family online, right? People like you, who I really consider a sister, like you're a soul sister and so many beautiful people. So I am, you know, happy to connect with people wherever they find me. Oh, it's how you, it's how you found your fitness family too. I mean, you actually just put out the right vibe, right? I love that you decided to bust that myth and that you could actually find genuine, beautiful virtual connections. Um, And then you get to meet IRL. Um, I will make sure that all the links that you mentioned are posted in the show notes of this episode. I will also be sure that you guys are aware when the book comes out, I'll do a post somewhere. I'll mention it because I want you to get your hands on this book. And uh, there is a lot more to come. I could have you on and talk to you all day long, girlfriend. So thank you for let's bust these myths about ages. Let's just work on levels and leveling up. Here's to the next level. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Here's to the next level. I love it. Big thank you. Thank you so much, girl. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Fire and Soul podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And of course, if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. And if you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at fireandsoulpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.